Hello, dreamers. If you haven't yet, go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at livingthedream506. But most importantly, keep listening and let me know what you think. This episode of Living the Dream is brought to you by AMW Group. AMW has the right tools to help you build your music career one step at a time. Get your song to the audience it deserves with AMW's Spotify playlist promotion service and work with AMW's experts to get your music heard. Check out their services by visiting bit.ly slash livingthedream10 and get a special 10% discount to their music promotion services by using coupon code AMW10. My guest today is a musician, actor, director, space enthusiast, and his new album, Soul, is available now. His new single, Best Hangover, is also available in the music video, so check that out. And it was a lot of fun talking to him, so I hope you enjoy it. Please give it up for Wes Mack. I'm here with uh, Wes Mack, or I guess it's, is it Wesley McInnes, short for Wesley McInnes? You know, it's kind of both. I guess I, uh, I mean, I was born with the name Wesley McInnes, and I've, I've always been fairly open that my, like, artist stage name, Wes Mack, I haven't tried to, like, hide either version of this. Uh, Wes Mack kind of emerged simply because my, my legal name is hard to spell. So, right. <laughs> it's, yeah, one of, those, one of those decisions. Awesome. So, director, actor, musician, which came first? I think music would have been the very first of those. I started playing guitar. Well, I started playing drums when I was like three. I started playing violin when I was around seven. I picked up a guitar, and that's when I would really say I kind of got into music when I was 11. Started playing in a band when I was 13. We actually stayed playing together till like you know for like eight years or something. And so, sort of from that point on, your onward, I've uh, been a musician. I got into acting a little later than that when I was in university. I um, I had this weird sort of life pivot day where I uh, I was sitting in a quantum mechanics class and I like I like that kind of stuff I'm I'm into that. Uh, um, however, I made the decision that inside of my arts degree I was like, okay if I lean all my time into like doing something right now that's sort of a side pet project of mine I wanted to have like a physics minor uh, I'm probably gonna wait like spend all of my time on that probably do crappily uh, uh, because it's just it's a massive time commitment and I was playing a lot in my band at that point so I was like all right I'm gonna put a pin in this for the moment so I went to the advising office I dropped all my math and physics classes I picked up some random arts classes and one of them was an acting class and then weirdly on my last day uh, at university uh, where I'd taken a bunch of acting classes and a lot of theater training I got cast and I had a one-line role on the vampire diaries which I filmed uh, left my last university class. I went to set and filmed that, and for a number of years did a lot of acting. Um, so sort of a neat life handoff, and then kind of a product of those two things. Uh, as I started making more music, I wanted to have music videos and like interesting, you know, video content, but mainly music videos, and had no budget or anyone around me that 
I really knew <laughs> who knew what they were doing. So I decided to learn how to direct. And so I remember I went and bought the fourth year film textbook from, from the UBC library and just read it cover to cover. And I bought <laughs> myself like a, a $500 Canon camera and just started shooting stuff. And I remember eventually my buddy hired me to direct a music video for him. And I just kind of flew by the seat of my pants and continued and continued. And all of a sudden I found myself directing music videos for CMT and uh, yeah, just kind of one, like all, all those things kind of one, one door opens another door. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So quantum mechanics, what, what drew you to that? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to overstate that I, you know, have any like mastery in the, in the world of physics or anything. I, I just in, in high school was interested in math and physics and did well in it. Uh, and so into university, I continued taking that until I was in my second year. And that was when I made that decision, which I, yeah. I, I don't regret because I think it was the right choice at the time. But like, I'm just, I'm a, I like a lot of different things. It's probably the reason that I do different things even in the entertainment world like I, I like acting I like music I like directing I like using my imagination and I find uh probably the thing that's most interesting to me about physics and math and that kind of stuff is just the extension of your own imagination you know it's right. you all of a sudden learn things that you didn't even know you could imagine before it just pulls your mind in different places what's the craziest quantum topic that you you're interested in that you like uh, to read about um, it's funny we're into this. This is not usually where any of these interviews go. So I'm, kind of, uh, I'm getting a laugh out of this. This is great. Um, I think again, I always have to. I don't want to overstate that I. Have, I feel like anyone talking about quantum mechanics, unless you have like a pretty hardcore background, is you know, I'm probably understanding it at a very pop science level. But some of the stuff of like uh, quantum entanglement seems interesting to me in terms of like communication over really long distances that could happen instantaneously um, to the moon. Sure, or, or, or even way <laughs> further away, you know, where, know. where, the, where the delay, uh, uh, I, I don't know where this stacks up. I, I read about this experiment they did a couple of years ago where it seemed like they were able to, you know, basically instantly be, it's not quite that you're transmitting a message, but it's that you're, the, the condition of one uh, quantum system affects the other one once it's been entangled. So the idea That's is it. if you could put those two things far enough apart and you change one of those systems, I wonder if... Uh, uh, the other system, if it was a hundred light years away, could be instantaneously affected, therefore kind of breaking the, the rule of like light speed, uh, uh, but allowing you to communicate over really long distances. So let's say we were able to send a beam of particles out to like Alpha Centauri and found a cool race of people living out there who are making neat country music too. Obviously, there's my plug. Um, <laughs> you could perhaps once that's gotten out there and you had an inf like a stream of particles rolling along, you could update the ones that are kept on earth that are entangled with the ones that are out there and then maybe have actual communication back and forth rather than it taking X number of light years to go in between. So anyways, uh, that's stuff I like. To do. <laughs> Does it ever come into your songwriting at all? Um, you know, I kind of think everything comes into songwriting. I think what you had for breakfast comes into your songwriting. I, I think what you thought about the night before the dreams you had, like it's to kind of segue interestingly. Um, so my my album, my sophomore album, Soul, comes out on October 25th. And the title track on it, which is obviously called Soul, um, I wrote, I sat down, it was just a, a, I sat down one morning and just started writing a stream of consciousness. I wasn't really intending to write a song. I was just writing for the sake of writing. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden, the song just kind of emerged. And in about five to 10 minutes, I'd written the entire song. Uh, 
hadn't planned it, hadn't set out to like write the title track, hadn't really chose what kind of song. It just those words were falling out of me. That's what was like, uh, uh, you know, happening in my in my head that day. It almost felt more like the song was coming to me, and I just had to put it down on paper. That what I, I say that as related to what we were talking about before, because I feel like everything you do in your life and all the people you know and everything you want to do, it's always like impacting you and bouncing around in your head in some, you know, subconscious level. So like me thinking about communicating, you know, over millions of light years, well, right. it maybe isn't, you know, maybe that's not the hook of the chorus. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's probably in there. You know, I think all of that factors into who you are as a person and the kind of art you make. I think it might be like possibly the first number one country music hit about quantum mechanics maybe yeah dude uh, although i always point to dean brody had crop circles which i, I oh, just yeah. remember hearing that song for the first time and i was like holy crap are aliens <laughs> a legit topic now that can, that uh, can make it country radio <laughs> make that shift oh yeah yeah <laughs> i would love that oh dude so would i i had a whole <laughs> song admittedly me and my roommate actually had a joke about this at one point that it was going to be a song called red dirt road but it was going to be a dirt road on mars um, <laughs> So, you know, it's, it's coming, you know, you'd be sitting on the tailgate of your Mars Rover. There's a lot of possibilities, man. That's topical for this time. I think you should definitely write that song. I know. Maybe that's an album three thing. Do it for sure. (laughs) Um, what was the name of your band back in the day? Oh, let me tell you, we were called the shades of gray. Now this does precede the popular book and film series, which is good (laughs) that we were, that we were wrapped up before that came out. Uh, you know, because we started that band as a trio of, 13 year old boys and it would have been a weird three weird shades time. of gray yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was uh we were uh, it was a very fun band to play in man because uh, it was you know it's honestly a lot of the stuff that i've tried to get back to on this album in terms of like how to look at music of make the creative like just let the creative happen first before you try to go okay this is going to be this kind of song and we're gonna make sure the chorus is like this and, and like being really analytical about it um that was such an era in my life as it is probably for everybody who's, you know, playing in bands at that age where you don't think about it. You just pick up a guitar or whatever it is you're making music on, be it if you're synthesizing it, if you're doing it on your computer, if you're a drummer or whatever, and just let it be whatever it wants to be. Um, And that to me is where music's the most fun. Definitely. Um, So do you, do you still do any acting at all or is that kind of a thing that you do? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very much still a thing of the present for me. I am. I was actually, I was in a film earlier this year called Cold Pursuit. It was uh, Liam Neeson, Laura Dern, and uh, Emmy Rossum. There's actually kind of an insane, eclectic cast to it, but it's like a a dark comedy meets, it's not really an action movie. It's not really a thriller. I would call it more like a a noir comedy in that it's like really gruesome and a lot of people get murdered in it, but like (laughs) you should be laughing based on how bleak some of the scenes are. There's there's like a scene where Liam Neeson, they, they kind of embrace that he's like, an older dude now and he's not like it's not him from taken in this and this is him like he's this a snowplow driver who reads crime novels and he doesn't really know what he's doing but his son gets murdered and he goes on he's trying to like get revenge so it's it's similar in that respect but he's like literally like beating a man to death and then has to stop because he's like insanely out of breath and it's like wheezing <laughs> nice. and it's like you can't help but laugh because it's it's just like it's truthful nice i saw on your website it says liam neeson beat me up in a film 
Yeah, yeah. So that <laughs> happened at some point. <laughs> I just That's awesome. I have my ass kicked. It, you know, honestly, he doesn't do the, the majority of the beating. The majority of the beating happens before you ever meet my character. So you never actually see my character in that film not brutally beaten. So I was wearing awesome. like prosthetics for the entire time on my face that just make it look like I'm so <laughs> swollen up to the point where I went and saw the premiere in New York and was at the after party for it and was walking around, you know, having drinks with like a bunch of the cast and crew were there. And a number of people got talking and I was like, oh yeah, I was like in the, the movie and they were like, really, who were you? Like, I just watched the movie like two minutes ago. I was like, oh yeah, you know that dude in the, I had the big blue jacket. They were like, no. Because <laughs> I the in the film, I think uh, I either, I had more or less beard than I did at that point, and my hair was very long in the movie and was short at the at the party. And obviously, as you'd hope, I wasn't beaten to a pulp at the uh, <laughs> at the premiere event. Um, so, would you say that's one of your acting highlights, or what would you say is <sighs> acting highlights? You know, there's a bunch over the years for different reasons. Um, that one was was quite cool working with Liam, and that he he was honestly like a, a real pleasure to work with on set, and obviously like you know. I, I watched episode one of Star Wars when that came out when I was younger. And, right. you know, you can love it or hate Jar Jar Binks, but yeah, it was a, it was mm-hmm. a fun moment for me. Um, for sure. Get, getting back to the, the Power Rangers movie had a similar sort of childhood nostalgia thing for me because I was like, oh man, this is stuff I grew up watching. Um, some of the other ones, you know, I got to act in this film a number of years ago called The Phantoms. And it was a... It's like a made-for-TV movie. It was done through CBC, um, but it was uh, it was really heart-wrenching, and it was based on a true story of this. Uh, in 2008, there was I don't know if you have heard of this news or incident, but there was uh, something. The boys in red. Uh, it was a high school boys basketball team, and their van uh, ended up going off the road and hitting a semi, and the the entire team, save for a couple of players, died. And it was like a, a, basically as heavy, you know, as, as heavy as anything could ever be and, and right. horrendous. And then the following year, the team with one of the remaining players um, kind of rebuilt with a like new squad of guys. And they went on to win the provincial championship for the first time in like 50 years. Um, hmm. And so this film focuses far more on like it doesn't focus on you don't see the accident. And I, I felt like, like that was really important to me when I was reading the script for it originally is that it wasn't just a like wasn't gratuitously using that to try and uh, pull right. on people. It, it was, it was more about this town's recovery and how people deal with grief. And mm-hmm. we ended up, we shot the thing in the actual town where this happened and had huge involvement from a lot of the people that like went through this, like our, um, as one of the, I was playing one of the players and they brought in the two coaches who were the actual coaches of the team to like teach us how to play basketball well enough like we went through a month-long basketball camp beforehand and lived in that town and a ton of the like a bunch of the acting roles and extra roles were given to people in the town it was it was i don't think i'll ever probably be part of anything again that that feels so it was the experience of that was insane uh just like being there and and hearing the stories of all these people and the, the sheer number of people who messaged us after the film came out like uh uh thanking the cast and crew and the people who made this for telling a story and particularly telling the side of a story that like the news articles all focused very much on the tragedy because obviously right. that's the horrendous thing and that, you know, should be focused on for sure. But mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of them felt like they wanted to like, you know, be able to say, Hey, our town's still here, you know, and this is like, yeah. this is what these kids did the next year. And it, it was pretty crazy in the, in the final 
game we played, the guys who were the new team, like the actual real people in reality that mm-hmm. our characters were based on came back and played as the opposition team in the final game. Oh, cool. Uh, and so that was, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things like that where it was very mind blowing at the time. So cool, cool project to be a part of then, eh? Yeah. Yeah. That one was like, it was living out there for like two months and it's just very like all engrossing. Um, yeah. So d- cool for totally different reasons than like, of course, Power Rangers movie. Right. Yeah. I looked you up on uh, IMDB and I, I thought it was hilarious for Power Rangers. You're listed as bully. Yeah. Just says bully. <laughs> and vampire Although, diaries. Peeing guy. Peeing. Now I was technically <laughs> peeing guy. Number one, if you really want of to course. get into this, uh, you build no, there, there, there was a whole, there was a whole incident, man, uh, because they cast two peeing guys. And then there was two trailers. <laughs> there was peeing guy number one and peeing guy number two. And I remember showing up and having like a standoff with the other fellow who now is a friend of mine. His name's Curtis Lum. And it ended up being only one of us would have the one line. And the other guy was literally just supposed to be like peeing in the background. <laughs> it was Again, this is day one of me on set. And I'm like, all right, the glorious life of an actor. Here we go. <laughs> That's awesome to be billed as that. Yeah, dude. That that's I, I'm always happy that, you know, whatever whatever career I have, it starts there. That's of course that's point of course. number one. That's <laughs> true. So back to music. I saw that you toured with Shania Twain. So my real yeah. question is, what are some highlights that you've had in your music career? But to me, that's that's number one. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. I, <laughs> and I you know, I don't know if I'll ever even be able to one up that regardless of what I do on my own. There was a there was a cool factor to that that was so new. Um again, I obviously grew up listening to a ton of her music and was a fan of it and a Who fan of her. That? Yeah, yeah. That, even that's if you didn't listen to country music. Totally. It was very universal. Her stuff's just so good. Um mm-hmm. so that uh, what to focus on on that. I, I remember two weeks out from that from going on tour uh I, I, you know i was like quite nervous um and i got a phone call saying hey she'd like you to sing party for two with her every night um this tour starts in two weeks you good <laughs> and i was just like yeah yeah all good oh yeah. uh, and like i knew the song very well but that doesn't mean you know it well enough to go and sing it with the woman herself um right. so i you know spent the next two weeks doing nothing but singing party for two and we, I, we had one <laughs> rehearsal of it on the day of the first show showed up in seattle we sang it once and she's like how you feel i was like i i, I feel good she's like great see you tonight <laughs> I was like, okay i remember there's a lot of pyrotechnics in her show and i realized after the fact that guy was messing with me but i asked um the stage manager i was like hey like uh, I don't know the the like the pyro setup here at all. Like where you know, where can I go? Where can't I go? And he said to me really sly, he's like, "Oh, I don't really know yet, man. Uh, just stay close to her." Uh, <laughs> and I like I realized uh, uh, by later in the day that that particular number had no pyro for it. So I was okay. <laughs> but dude, I, I walked out on stage on that, and I remember just it was one of the most nervous moments of my life. She says, oh, I'll give it up for my good buddy, Wes Mack. Walk it on stage. I'm standing there waving at the crowd. And she looks over at me and on the mic says, it's like, hey, Wes, get a little closer to me. And comes over and puts her arm around me. And I'm like, <laughs> what's happening right now? <laughs> um, it took a couple of shows for me to, like, chill out in that, in that song. But once I did, it became like the most fun thing I, I, you know, possibly have ever gotten to do because you have, you have her, you have the amazing song, you got the amazing band, you got the light show, you got the crowd. I remember taking yeah. my in-ears out and listening to the crowd 
cheering at the end of the song in one instance. And it just like kind of blew me away. Just deafening. Yeah. It's probably, I mean, it's the loudest I've ever heard a crowd ever. It was in London, Ontario. I specifically remember wow. that one night. Uh, I, and for whatever reason, you know, if, if you wear in-ear monitors, it like you can hear what's going on on stage very well, but you don't get a lot of the crowd. And mm-hmm. for the first number of shows, I just had them in while I was playing because I wanted to be really, you know, perfect on the song. And then of as course, I rolled yeah. along and got a little more used to it, I started to pull them out. And that was the first time I like yanked them out while the crowd was cheering. And it was, I, you know, I had some idea. I was like, I, oh, this looks, this seems loud. <laughs> but you, you don't it, it's a weird it's a weird thing I've, I've tried to explain like playing in arenas is so different from a club show in that like you lose the scope of how big it is unless the right. lights are up on the crowd it becomes like because you're up on the stage and you're wearing in ears or you're playing with monitors you don't really feel the size of the room and even mm-hmm. when the crowd is loud you depending on the shape of the building like if you're in the Air Canada Center or something like that, it has such a high ceiling, it sucks up a lot of the sound. So you don't, you kind of get this cavernous feel. But when the lights come up on the crowd, or if, again, pull the in-ears out, it's uh, it's a crazy perspective shift where you're like, oh yeah, there's there's 20,000 people here. I forgot about right. that. Right. Yeah, that's insane. So the new single, Best Hangover? Yeah. Featuring Maddie Storvold? That is correct.
can you tell us about that? That well, it is the new single. It is the single feature. <laughs> End Maddie story. Stovall. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> there it is. Um, yeah, it was kind of the continuation of something that you know. So I, I explained how I how I wrote Soul um, as it being this stream of consciousness thing, really just trying to not judge it and let the art be the art. And it really kind of that, that happened about in the middle of me making this album. It was the last song that got written. All the other ones had been written but not produced. And it kind of shifted the way I was going about things. And never have I ever and Best Hangover were really affected by it in that I took them back to the studio and went to my co-producer, Jordan, and basically just really tried to do less on these songs and less like, less infusing them as earworms, less trying to make them hits, less trying to make them poppy and more just being like, okay, what's like the truth of this song? What's the thing it needs to say? And then let's get everything else out of the way. Um, and Best Hangover was a lot of that. Like we really started, um, like if you listen to the track, it's pretty stripped in a lot of it. Like it's, there's not a ton going on. And I, that, that was really important to me of like making space in that song for the vocal and just allowing it to like do the work and tell the story and not trying to chase around the sound, just, you know, going for something that felt uh, fun for me. Yeah. Is that on the new album, Soul? It is. Awesome. So that comes out October 25th. Yes, is there anything else you want to tell us about that? Um, what else to tell about Soul? Yeah, I think I've told a lot of it there. You know, it was just like a process of me, you know, chucking away. I think you can get to a place in music where you're kind of creating almost from like, I've talked to a lot of artists about this, like a place of fear where you're trying to go, okay, well, what's like the relevant thing? What's the popular thing? And I think that's just about the worst place you can be at you know, in terms of how it feels. And I think in terms of probably what you'll end up making. Um, and this album to me was really getting back to making music just the way that I want to and not doing it as a, I wonder what people will like. It's, it's more cool. I love this. This, these are some stories from my life that mean something to me and now I'm going to share it and you can take it or leave it. Well, that's awesome. Well, we look forward to hearing it, man. And, uh, I wish we could have talked more about space but uh, maybe we can do that again sometime down the road. Hey man, I'm happy to, I will say, I think it's only come up in like two or three interviews ever. Uh, and this is probably <laughs> the, the most, the most I got to chat on. It's, it's, it's not usually, it's not the like top item on my bio. <laughs> no, I, I totally would have went into it more if I thought we had more time, but <laughs> I think we, we touched <laughs> no, enough. No worries. For this time. That, that is an indicator that there should be a next time. <laughs> Absolutely. For sure. Well, I hope there is. And uh, good luck with the new album. Thank you very much, man. It's been a pleasure right. chatting with you. You too. Take care. Okay.